This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So tonight we're talking about Touched. And there's only three episodes left. Right? No. Two. Two! Oh my god. (laughs) Um, Three including today since we haven't technically talked about it yet so god that's crazy okay all right let's get into it um nikki stafford's episode guide uh summary as per usual very unhelpful but this is what we do here so (laughs) with buffy out of the picture the potentials now have faith as their leader and spike tells buffy what he found at the mission that is not how I would sum up the episode. So this episode is really the one where Spike and Buffy cuddle, right? That's what it is. Um, so the episode begins with everyone arguing. Um, I'm guessing right after Buffy left, it would have to be. Everybody's arguing. Um, wait, this, this doesn't sound right, right? So Buffy was really gone for like two nights then because the timeline is confusing me because right after she leaves, it's night, but then there's a day and then another night before Spike gets back with Andrew and Spike and Buffy cuddle. So what the fuck was Buffy doing? Was she just moping in a bed, not sleeping? in some random person's house for a day? I mean, okay, sure. Why not? Let's say that's what happened. Um, okay. So Buffy had just left. Everybody at Buffy's house is arguing and, um, (laughs) Anya says something funny. She's like, we're all ringing at death's doors like maniacal girl scouts trying to be quota. (laughs) Um, which is just cute because Anya's always cute. Um, Dawn feels bad. um, And Giles just basically says to her, like, you did the right thing. This is what needed to happen. And, like, he can just sense that she's feeling bad even though she hasn't said anything. And so he reassures her. So that's sweet. But everybody's arguing. And Faith just kind of, like, watches it unfold for a second. And then she starts taking charge. She's like, hey, how about this? We're all freaked out. Our situation, frankly, sucks. So we need to stay cool if we're gonna if we're gonna make it through this. So let's all just get some sleep. We'll figure this shit out in the morning. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. So they all go to bed. Um then we switch to Buffy's point of view. And she's just kind of wandering through town, slowly, slowly walking around, being sad in this same goddamn outfit. You guys, this is the third episode we're seeing her in the same outfit. And I get it. I get why she's in the same outfit. Like, that part's fine. It's just, couldn't they have just put her, I don't know, in, I mean, uh, something that didn't suck? (laughs) This sort of, like see-through white shirt, no necklace, um, which, I mean, it always is, it's always obvious to me when someone isn't wearing a necklace because I, like, have to wear a necklace. Like, I don't even like to shower without a necklace. (laughs) Um, but I do sometimes. Depends on the necklace, obviously. Like, if it can withstand a shower, I will leave it on. But, I don't, I don't like to be without a necklace, so it, it just for some reason bothers me most of the time when I see someone not wearing a necklace. I mean, not like all the time, but especially in like TV shows and stuff. Anyway, 
So she's wearing this like fucking white mesh top and then this awful, awful like brown suede oversized trench coat thing that doesn't even have any closures on it. It's just, you know what I think Buffy the character really, I think she suffers because she doesn't have iconic outfits. Like, yes, she has had some iconic outfits, but they didn't stick with any, you know, they didn't give her like, this is Buffy's jacket. This is Buffy's necklace. This is, you know, they didn't do that with her. She had, she's had some great outfits for sure, but they didn't give her great articles of clothing that stuck around, you know, like with Faith, they're just basically dressing her in simple black shirts um, dark jeans and her studded belt. And in this episode, she's wearing like a, a silver chain necklace, no pendant or anything. It's just like a silver chain, which actually makes total sense for her character. So they, they did it right this time, but they don't give Buffy anything iconic, you know, or if they give her something iconic, she only has it the one time. And that's the only time we get to see her have, yeah, anyway, I'm repeating myself, but it's, it's sad. It's sad because I don't know. I just think it's effective when a character has iconic articles of clothing or jewelry, you know, like Spike, you know, he just basically wears the exact same thing all the time. Black t-shirt, black jeans, belt, combat boots, and his leather, you know, maybe I should have like an outfit, just like a cartoon character. I mean, I'm basically at the point in my life where like, <laughs> um, we have two black cats. I mostly buy black clothing. Um, so yeah, I just need to kind of change everything over just all black all the time. <laughs> my aunt is like, she, my whole life, she's had an iconic color. <clears throat> Growing up, it was bright red. Everything she wore was red. Red, 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 red. Um, I think she would pair it with like black pants or something like that, but it was mostly red. And then she switched like, I don't know, a decade ago to navy blue. Everything's navy blue. Everything, everything, everything. Like even things that have patterns, the main color is just navy blue and white. Every once in a while she'll, I mean, she did have black clothing for a second but then she gave like all of it away and kept only the Navy. I think I need to follow in her footsteps, except with my own <laughs> colors. Uh, mine just needs to be like 95% black, dark gray, and then some purple thrown in. <laughs> I need all of my items of clothing to be interchangeable. You know, what do they call that? A capsule wardrobe, whatever. Anyway, um, so Buffy looks horrible. Like she's just looked horrible for a long time. As far as like the styling, not like Sarah Michelle Gellar looking horrible. I mean, she looks a little gaunt, honestly. Um, but it was 2003, you know, it's happening again. I know I say that every episode, but Hey, there's only two left after today. <laughs> okay. Um, Buffy kicked kick someone out of his house. I didn't like this. I mean, why? Why did we have to like hire this extra just for a second? Um, or I guess he wouldn't be considered an extra because he had lines. But just so Buffy could kick him out of his house, why didn't they just have her break into a house that someone had abandoned? Why did there have to be the extra added, like her kicking someone out of their fucking house? It's just dumb. I didn't like that. But anyway, she kicked someone out of his house. Um, and I just wrote Buffy's still in that awful outfit she's been in for three episodes. Um, yeah. And this is fully, I think the third, almost full episode that she's in the same stupid outfit. I can't wait till she's in a new one anyway, but she goes into the kitchen and open the, opens up the fridge after she's kicked the guy out of his house. So he's not in his house anymore. And she says, got any tab? <laughs> which I guess was some kind of diet drink. Uh, I've never had one. Um, oh, object of the episode. I'm going to go ahead and give that away now. I already know what it is. So 
we flash to Andrew and Spike. They're at the church. They've already talked to the guy. They're just hanging out at the church, waiting for daylight to pass, essentially. And they're just hanging out. And Andrew's trying to play silly games and stuff, and Spike's not participating, of course. And um, because, you know, one thing about, like, heroes in the Buffyverse, I've noticed, they have to be joyless. Because if they're having any fun, then it means they're being bad or something, you know? So, heroes in the Buffyverse don't get to have fun, which is unfortunate, because Spike could have had some fun in this moment. He could have played silly games with Andrew, and then, like, threatened him if you tell anyone whatever, just like he did in the last episode. But no, whatever. Missed opportunity there. But... They're waiting out the daylight, and object of the episode, sorry, was in the church. Like, when you, it was in, like, the wide shot when we first show, established the scene. And, um, it was, like, there was, like, a Mary statue in this little cove in the wall. And inside the cove was painted, like, dark blue with stars, and then the Mary statue was pretty vibrant colors. Like, I think it was maybe purple? Like, it wasn't the normal colors. Like, normally you see Mary, like, baby blue, you know? Um, but it didn't... I feel like it wasn't... Whatever, I didn't take a picture of it. But that's... You know, life-size Mary statue? I wouldn't say no to that. Like, I love religious iconography, even though I'm not really religious. Um, but I've got all kinds of, like spiritual type statues that I can see from where I'm sitting right now. You know, whatever. Um, so yeah, Mary statue, that's the object of the episode. <laughs> Andrew says to Spike at one point when they're um, sitting together in the church, don't spaz out! <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. <laughs> don't spaz out. Oh my god. Um, Okay, so it's the following morning. Everybody's arguing again. Faith has to shut Kennedy down because Kennedy is just, you know, interrupting constantly, trying to... She basically sees a power vacuum and she's trying to fill it. And Faith's like, nope, we're not doing this. So she takes over, she takes charge, and she does a really great job at it, to be honest. Like, Faith steps up. She steps her pussy up real, real fucking quick. She does it. And it's... I mean, to be honest, it was kind of hot, I think, you know, <laughs> um, it was hot. So that's that scene. Um, and they have a plan to kidnap one of the bringers. Um, we get a scene at the winery again and Caleb talking to the first slash Buffy and, um, also... The bringers are, like, hacking at a piece of rock, and, like, later we find out that they were unearthing the scythe. So my question is, if it was buried in a big hunk of rock... Okay, never mind. I answered my own question. I was like, why are they trying to uncover it when it belongs to the Slayer and they don't want her to get it? But it's because they don't know yet that they can't get it themselves. For themselves. They don't know that they can't. It's a whole Arthur thing. Can't pull the sword out of the stone. Only the Slayer can do it. Kind of thing. You know. Um, where are we? Oh, they decide to kidnap a bringer. So that they can, like, get him to talk. Which, why haven't they thought of this before now? Whatever. Um, that sounds, that seems pretty basic, right? Um, but his tongue is ripped out. So I'm assuming, I don't think they make this clear, but I'm assuming that all bringers have their tongues ripped out. So they're blind and mute. I mean, that makes sense, right? Um, for what they are, it, I guess it makes sense. Anyway, Don suggests that because he doesn't have a tongue, they could do, there's like a spell that she was reading about that is a way to sort of telepathically or somehow um, communicate with someone on their deathbed. 
and they thought maybe this would be a good spell to try and um Willow's like, oh yeah, I was reading a translation of that. And Don's like, there's a translation of it? Because she was talking about it being a Turkish spell or something like that. Um, she's like, never mind, I'm over it. So we did get to see a little bit more of Dawn in this episode, which was nice, I think. Because I just, I like her at this point. She's mature. She's not, you know, she's not being whiny all the time. And people forget that. People don't give her her proper credit in season seven because she's not whining anymore. She needs the proper credit, okay? Um, Andrew and Spike come back um, following night as they're having this conversation about how they're going. They've kidnapped the bringer already. He's in the basement. They're trying to figure out what to do from here. Um, Andrew and Spike come back. And of course, they don't know that Buffy got kicked out while they were gone. And Andrew just immediately was like, I think the mission went well. And he grabs a snack and he just starts babbling. And then he remembers that he has to pee and he leaves the room. And then Willow tries to break it to Spike, which is hilarious. She's like, well, we all kind of, we had a discussion and blah, 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 blah. To Spike's credit, he does listen to her entire little speech. And then he's like, been practicing that a while, have we? Or something like that. Oh my god, you guys. Have I complained about how hot it is yet? It's May 6th. And where I live, it is 90... It was 90 degrees Fahrenheit today. So my house is very hot. Because I have not... I always like try to resist at first turning the air on but I'm I'm gonna make it like two days it'll probably be on by Tuesday at the latest if I don't break down and turn it on tonight because it's gonna be really hard to sleep tonight there's like a some kind of weird green bug in this room flying around and buzzing so I'm sure you guys can hear it um, I don't know how it got in rude anyway um, where are we Spike, okay, so after Willow finishes her speech about, like, why Buffy's not there, Spike yells at everyone, like, calls them ungrateful, all that shit. They listen for a while, and then Faith steps in and kind of tells him to take it down a notch or two, and then they punch each other a few times, and Spike's like, where is she? And Faith says, I don't know. And then he leaves and then he sniffs the air when he gets outside so that he can see what direction Buffy went in, I guess. Cause you know, vampire smell, vampire sense of smell. Um, oh, then, then we get the scene in the basement with the bringer. They do the spell and they don't know exactly how it's going to work, but, and turns out Andrew is the con the conduit. So, like, the bringer speaks through Andrew, essentially, in the spell. And um, at one point, like, I don't know, Giles is just, like, sick of the conversation, I guess. And so he kills the bringer very swiftly. And <laughs> Andrew sort of feels it. And then he's like... You're, you're lucky that it didn't just magically decap- you didn't just magically decapitate me. And then he's like, I need a lozenge. It's just cute. It's just cute. I'm sorry. Just like everything that Andrew does is cute to me. <laughs> um, Spike shows up at the house Buff that Buffy broke into. Um, I enjoy the bed. The bed that Buffy's laying on of this house that she kicked the guy out of. It's like dark teal sheets with an orange, like fuzzy blanket. Um, there's also some other sort of jewel toned, like pillows in the background. The carpet, it has like very seventies, like dark green, almost bordering on teal is the carpet color, which man, I don't know. I kind of miss carpet. You know, I know it got really gross and shit, like, cause carpet, like, I guess what I need is just kind of 
enough money to buy a really big rug. <laughs> you know? I just kind of miss walking around on carpet instead of hardwood. You know? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> because I am a child of the 80s and everything was carpeted. Um, okay, so Spike shows up at the house. Buffy's pouting in, be in bed. And um, Spike just makes a comment about how he can just walk right in the house because no invitation needed because everybody's just sort of abandoning their houses, I guess. Um, and he just makes a comment that I thought was kind of important. He says, this town really is theirs now. And he says it without hesitation. You know, he no longer aligns himself with, you know, the dark forces of Sunnydale. Um, the dark power, very dark power. Sorry, I can't do the, I can't even do the bad Jamaican accent. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, Kendra reference, Kendra, the vampire slayer. Um, remember her? Oh my God. I'm so hot guys. Um, so Buffy, I wrote down that she said, I don't feel very right. I guess I think I wrote that down because it felt like a, it felt like a depression allegory. I don't feel very right. And Spike is kind of confused. He's like, no, you don't give up. That's not what you do. That's not, no. Um, and you know, she's, she's very tired. She keeps saying that she's tired, that she just wants to sleep and all of this. Um, and she wants him to go away. Uh, but he's not going. Um, uh, then we get, it's okay. So let's see what's happening. <laughs> we switch to, I'm so hot. We switch to, um, the house again. And faith is like getting ready for bed or something. She's strategizing with Giles, I guess. Um, like what's the plan tomorrow? You know, they decide they're going, I can't remember where the fuck they're going, but they're going to a place that has weapons. And I, I think they call it an armory. I I'm confused about like where they're planning to go and where they eventually end up at the end of the episode. But, um, they have a plan now and, um, Giles is like, well, when should we tell everybody to go? And, um, Faith says seven, seven, seven sharp, you know, it's like she's trying on her confidence or whatever. And I wish we had had a little bit more of a moment here, more of a father figure moment between Giles and Faith, but at least we get like, he's on his way out of the room and he just says, Faith, you're doing just fine. And she is, she's really stepping up. She's being a great leader. I mean, I know like they're going to wrap that up real fucking quick, you know, like Buffy's going to take over again in the first five minutes of the next episode. I'm pretty sure. Um, or not really because I think Angel shows up before that, but you know, like Faith only gets to be the leader for two days. <laughs> um, but I think she, she has done a great job and I'm pretty sure, like, I haven't read, I've read all of like the Buffy comment comics that follow the plot after the show ends, but I haven't read, like, I think there's a comic called Angel and Faith that is like, you know, they are pretty much paired together, fighting crime, all that shit. Um, I'm pretty sure, but I have not read those. Um, so I don't know much about those. I should like check them out, get them from libraries and stuff. Um, but anyway, like I'm sure this isn't the last time that Faith gets to like lead a bunch of slayers, you know, cause in the universe after the last episode, there's a bunch of slayers anyway. Um, so Giles says she's doing just fine. Then he leaves the room. Then the mayor shows up as you know the first as the mayor. And apparently this is the first time that the first has shown up to talk to faith 
which makes no sense because she's a fucking slayer. Like, it should have been taunting her this entire time, but whatever. So, um, the mayor shows up, which is fun. (laughs) He, like, at one point says something to her to the effect of, it's the end of humanity, Faith, not the end of courtesy, because, like, she doesn't say, I don't know, she says hell or something. Um, then we go back to the scene between Buffy and Spike. And, um, at one point, I don't know, like, somebody said no, I don't know. And Buffy's like, no, you really have a problem. You really have problems with that word, don't you? Which was like a little, oh, (laughs) a little callback to, you know, last season. You know, you know what happened. We all know what happened. And anyway, she keeps saying that she's really tired and she wants him to go away. And he kind of gets upset. They're talking, like, whatever, like, because she just wants to give up. You know, it's another one of those Slayer moments where the Slayer just wants to give up. She just wants to quit. We saw it at the end of season... We saw it at the end of season one because there was that prophecy and Buffy was like, well, fine, I quit then. You can't kill the Slayer if I quit. So there. Um, So she quits at the end of season one. She quits at the end of season two. She leaves town. She doesn't quit at the end of season three or four. Five, she, she goes into like a catatonic state so that was kind of quitting (laughs) so yeah this is fully like plus she was trying to quit when we first met her she was like i'm done being a slayer i'm done with this shit already before we ever met her so she's quit five times (laughs) right um when we first met her end of season one end of season two end of season five or five the catatonic state was kind of her quitting i guess end of season five was sort of her quitting too because she killed herself and now i'm gonna count both of those times the catatonic state because it's specifically referred to whenever they when willow goes into her mind um she's talking about how she quit for a second in her mind she quit um just for a minute and it felt very significant you know Yeah, so I'm going to say she's quit, quote-unquote, being a slayer six times that we've seen. And this is just the last that we'll see. (laughs) And, um, so, yeah. Let's see. Spike tries to tell her that it's bloody chaos without, um, Buffy there. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, there's, like, sleeping bags not rolled up and, like, everybody's really stressed out and... And he's like, I didn't really see anything. I just came and hit Faith a bunch of times and then I left. And then there's this stupid conversation that just bugs me about, like, you know, Buffy was interested in the fact that Spike hit Faith and takes pleasure in that. And then Spike's like, just say the word. I'll make her look, I'll make her a footnote in history or something. I'll make it look like a painful accident or something like that. And it's just, I don't know. I just don't like that. I wish we had gotten a proper, a proper reintroduction of Faith, you know? Instead of just throwing her in the last handful of episodes. I don't know. But I'm always going to think that because she's one of my favorite characters. Um, Buffy at one point says, casualties sound so casual. Uh... And at one point she stands up and she says, see, I'm still making excuses. I've always cut myself off, which is true. And then she, you know, talks about how everyone always wants to connect to her and she's always cutting herself off. And, um, (laughs) and then there's this part that I just really love. Spike like gets mad because she said the word unattainable or something like that. And he gets mad and he stands up and he's like, wait a second. And Buffy's like, what are you trying to say? And Spike's like, I don't know. I'll know when I'm done saying it. Which I'm so into that. I'm just so into that. Like just that idea. I don't know. 
I'll know when I'm done saying it, which is just kind of me, honestly. Like, that's how I am. I talk things out. I don't really, I might have a general idea of what I might want to say, but I figure it out as I go. And there's really no other way for me to do things, you know? And so it's, I don't know. I'll know when I'm done saying it, you know, because usually I do, or at least I'm closer to knowing what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have to talk. The process is, you know, part of it. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my God. 75% humidity. Blah. Okay. So then it's the speech, you know, the speech. Um, I refrained from writing the entire thing down, but it's so good. You know, um, Spike just basically, you know, is saying sweet things to her saying like, when I say that I love you, it's not because I want you. It's not because I can't have you. It's because it's got nothing to do with me. I love you, what you are, how you try. Um, your kindness and your strength. I've seen the best and the worst of you. <laughs> and I can tell you with perfect clarity exactly what you are. You're a hell of a woman. <laughs> okay, so a lot of it was, it was in there, but I'm still kind of paraphrasing. But the way that the speech starts, I kind of skipped over that part. But he had already said a couple of things to her. And then he sorts, he sort of reaches out and tries to touch her face and she kind of flinches and he pulls his hand away and he says, I'm not asking you for anything. That's how it starts. I'm not asking you for anything. When I say I love you, it's not because I want you. It's not because I can't have you. It's got nothing to do with me. And that is just so powerful right there. That is actual love. If someone is not asking anything from you. And that's so rare, right? Like, I think maybe, um, he's telling her that he loves her because he truly does. And this made me think about, you know, and I hadn't really thought of it this way. I had always sort of conceptualized the relationship between Spike and Buffy as like, Spike loves Buffy. He loves her so, so, so much. And she doesn't love him back. And the nature of that love changes when he gets a soul, but he still loves her. But now I'm thinking neither of them, they didn't love each other. They did not until now. Now Spike truly loves Buffy and has for a while he knows what actual love is at this point now that he has a soul and you see the moment where like this entire scene you see the moment of like when Buffy starts crying and she's very touched by him it happens as soon as he says I'm not asking you for anything I don't think she believed that I don't think she believed that he didn't want something for, from her until he said that. And that was the moment that truly flipped the switch for her and allowed her to be able to truly begin to trust Spike. I mean, I guess she already sort of has, okay. She's already started trusting Spike, but this was the moment where she realized I could love him someday. I still maintain that she does not love him yet, but this is the moment where she realizes she could. And that's enough for Buffy right now. Like somebody that cuts herself off from everybody. Um, I think that's big. I think that's really big. <laughs> the entire time we were watching the scene, when I watched this episode with my mom, she was just yelling the whole time. See, she loves him. She loves him. No, she doesn't. She doesn't, but she trusts him. And that's huge for Buffy to trust someone, especially Spike after everything he did to her. 
you know? Um, okay, where am I? Oh, and he also says, you're the one, Buffy. Which is sweet, of course. I have ink all over my hands. Ew. And then... So he says, you're the one, Buffy. She says, I don't want to be the one. He says, I don't want to be this good-looking and athletic, but we all have crosses to bear. <laughs> anyway, and then he starts to leave the room and so she can go to sleep. And he, and she asks him to stay and hold her. And they cuddle and they look deeply into each other's eyes. And it's very sweet. It really is. It is super touching. It you know, and I like that, like, so at the same time that we're getting that scene, um, I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but I'll go back, but we get, we're cutting between like Heather Nova's It's Only Love is playing and we're cutting between several different scenes, Faith and Principal Wood doing it, um, Kennedy and Willow doing it, Xander and Anya doing it. And then Spike and Buffy just cuddling. It's And the episode's called Touched. Like, everybody's connecting to each other. Everybody is relating to each other. And it's sweet. You know, they're, they all think they're going to die the next day. Or, you know, in the next few days, I guess. Um, but anyway, that's getting a little ahead of myself. So, rewind. The mayor is talking to Faith again. We're seeing that cutting back and forth, um, between Faith and Buffy, essentially, at this point in the episode. Um, and he at one point says, so when she finally shuts him down, the mayor says, he says some shit about like Buffy's dangerous, whatever, whatever. I don't really think that's real. He's just trying to scare her, I guess, um, or turn her against Buffy or whatever. But then the mayor says the thing that makes Faith shut him down, which I think shows that she has progressed a lot since the last time we saw her. Um, because he says, no one will ever love you. Not like I do, you know, which is exactly what fucking narcissist assholes say, controlling people say, and he calls her his firecracker or whatever. And she's like, nope, done with you. Nope. You're going to leave now. So he disappears and Faith's really shaken. And at that exact moment, Robin walks in the door and he wants to talk about weapons or something. Like he came to talk to her about weapons. I don't know, whatever. Um, and she's really shaken. And so she talks to him about what just happened. And he has the experience of talking to the first as his mom earlier in the season. So he shares his experience and they talk and then she decides she wants to have sex with him, whatever. <laughs> and I say, whatever, because I see no chemistry here. Like, Faith's amazing, as always, but <laughs> I'm just not into this D.B. Woodside guy. Sorry. Sorry if you're listening. I know he's not. <laughs> so it's fine. And Faith's kind of, like, a little bit down on herself during this conversation. I'm kind of rewinding again, but... Um, and Principal Wood does say, like, you know, Faith's like, you know... I just wish Buffy were here. And uh, Principal Wood says, well, she's not the only one. Faith, you're a slayer too. Which, hey, important. Someone needs to say that to her. Um, yeah, and then just everybody having sex. <laughs> it was kind of a sweet scene between Kennedy and Willow because we get the context from this conversation that they haven't actually consummated their relationship yet. And which makes sense because there's a bunch of people in the house all the fucking time. Like when would they have been able to do that really? But, um, Kennedy just sort of, she somehow arranges it so that no one else is in the bedroom and they have the room to themselves. And, um, and Willow like is scared, you know, she doesn't, she's scared to let herself go. And Kennedy, you know, in a very sweet way, not in a like, you know, coercive way. She just kind of reassures her that she's safe and then sexy times and Anya. And so at this point, like Faith and Principal Wood are doing it. And 
I mean, like, where are all the kids at this point? <laughs> Seriously, where are they? <laughs> but, um, Anya and Xander are in the kitchen, like, sharing, sharing a pint of ice cream or whatever. And with the same spoon, too, so they're, like, grabbing the spoon from each other while they're, like, listening to everyone else in the house have sex. And, um they end up doing it on the floor in the kitchen. Um, and we hear Heather Nova's It's Only Love, which is a nice song. Um, then it's the next morning. Faith's, you know, telling everybody what they're going to do. Um, there's also a little moment of Andrew, you know, like sharing some of the information that they got that he got with Spike. Like, why would he be saying this now? That seems a little dumb, but you know, cause that was like a day ago, but whatever. He's sharing that information with everyone right now. And he, um, it's just cute. Cause then, <laughs> cause then Faith's like, thank you, Andrew. And then she's like, he's like, thank you, Faith. Back to you. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I'm sorry. It's just like everything he does. I'm just into it. I was thinking earlier today, like, I really don't like season seven overall, but, and I was thinking, you know, would it have been okay if it had just ended with the end of season six for the main characters arcs? Yes, but we wouldn't get the whole thing was Spike having a soul. We wouldn't know because at that point we didn't, well, no, at the very, very last second of season six, I think we knew that Spike had just gotten his soul back. So, but we wouldn't have gotten that awesome speech that he gives in this episode to Buffy. We wouldn't have gotten all the Andrew delightfulness that we've gotten all season long or most of the season, two thirds of the season, maybe. Um, we would have missed out on all of that, but like most of like, most of the main characters got zero character development in this season. You know, I mean, we got a little bit with Willow, just sort of like not knowing if she can trust herself after going evil and blah, blah, blah. So we did get a little bit of character development for her, but we got like nothing with Xander. Um, I mean, we got a little taste of like the fact that Dawn is now you know, kind of growing into herself and she's becoming all researchy and she's becoming very useful and mature and she's learned some fight moves and stuff. So she gets a little bit of development, I guess, but, and I guess we did get some, some real Anya stuff, right? Cause that, yeah. Cause Anya, whatever. Yeah. Cause Anya went, she was back in the vengeancing and she'd killed all those frat boys. And so she got a big episode, at least. So I wouldn't want to miss out on that. Oh, gloriousness. I just got interrupted. Uh, Michael told me that he turned the air on. So we're going to be able to sleep tonight, guys. It's just, uh, yeah, it's 75% humidity. Like, that's too much to try to sleep through. So... That's good. That's really good. Whew. All right. It's going to start cooling off any second now. Not in this room because my closet doesn't have air. So as long as I'm in here recording with the door closed, not going to help me. But <laughs> anyway, <sighs> where are we? <laughs> my next note was, okay, so Heather Nova and Buffy gets a nap. This whole time, all she's needed was to sleep. That's it. That's all she needed. So she finally gets to fucking sleep. Realistically, like, you know, how much did she really get to sleep? Because, you know, it was probably the middle of the night when they started cuddling. Um, but, you know, she probably got at least three or four hours, so that's good. Um, dun, 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 dun. Okay, during this, like, speech the following morning, because I skipped over the Buffy gets a nap note. Oh my god, I'm so disjointed. Um, I'm going to have to do more editing on this podcast episode than I normally do because like about five minutes ago, I knocked 
my microphone off of its little perch and it just fully clattered to the floor but it continued recording the entire time so <laughs> I hate editing but don't worry I'm not gonna make you guys sit through that at least oh my god anyway so Faith is um she's sending a group of people to like spy on Buffy I guess um to find her and you know make sure that she's okay she's not telling them that like there's also the motive of you know the first had told her that Buffy might be dangerous and Faith asked Principal Wood like when the first talked to you did it lie to you and he was like no not really so under the assumption that Buffy might be dangerous she's sending them out to like go check on Buffy and then the rest of them are going to this armory or whatever it is. Um, and at one point, Principal Wood, you know, he's just in the room with everybody else and says, where do you want me, Faith? And Faith's like, sitting by the phone. So that was her, you know, we'll get a conversation between the two of them in the next, a couple of conversations between the two of them in the next couple episodes. In fact, ugh, it's just frustrating. Like, I think the only time we for the most part, the only person we see Faith really interacting with in the last two episodes is him. We do see her talking. She does have like a little conversation with Buffy at one point, but still. Anyway, um, Spike wakes up in the morning and Buffy has left him a letter. It looks like it's like not just like one or two sentences. It looks like a letter. So I don't, I'm pretty sure we never find out what's in that letter. I'm sure there's some like, uh, I'm sure there's some fan fiction talking about what's in the content of that letter, but <laughs> I probably wouldn't want to know that. Anyway, um, let's see. Matrix fighting. That's my last note or my next note. Um, because they're fully doing like slow motion, like they're doing the whole bullet time thing and they're doing like matrix score, you know, with the, ding, ding, you know, <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. That was bad. Um, and it's Buffy versus Caleb. Um, so we're switching back and forth between Buffy goes back to the winery to get the thing that he has of hers, like she tried to do the first time. And, um, she's well rested now. She's by herself. Um, so this is like an important moment for Buffy because she needs to do this herself. Like this is Buffy, the feminist character against Caleb, the misogynist dude. This battle needs to happen. Just Buffy versus Caleb. So, I'm sure that's what the letter said to Spike. Like, I need to do this alone. I'm going to the, I'm going to the winery. Thanks for cuddling with me last night. <laughs> Sincerely, Buffy. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and no, mom, stop texting me. It didn't say that she loved him in the letter. Okay, stop it. <laughs> She's doing it right now. I can tell. Um, anyway. So we're switching back and forth between that scene of Buffy and Caleb fighting and Faith leading in, leading a bunch of girls into some dark place um, that has a bunch of weapons. I don't really understand where they are, but bringers are there. They end up with in a big flashlight fight because it's dark and they just have flashlights. Um, they end up in a flashlight fight with the bringers and um, it's kind of another trap. I mean, for sure it is because the very last, at the very last second of the episode, Buffy finds the scythe. And I know I said that that was going to be object of the episode as soon as we first see it, but it's just a glimpse in this episode. I think it would make more sense for, I mean, spoiler alert, next episode, the scythe, the Slayer scythe is going to be the object of the episode because I would love to have like a replica of that weapon. It would be so stupid because I would just be where the fuck am I going to put that? I guess I could put it like over, over my front door. It could just be like a protection thing or something. <laughs> but, um, 
I'll have to go on eBay and see, you know, like, I would love to, I mean, I don't need like an actual plot prop replica because that would be like insane amounts of money, but just something that kind of looks like it that has a little bit of heft to it, you know, something that isn't entirely plastic. Anyway, um, that would be cool. That'd be cool. But anyway, so Faith sees the scythe and it's sticking in like some goo looking shit and a rock. And then we flash to Faith. She kicks the lock off of a box. For some reason, it's just like a random looking chest. So why is she kicking the lock? I don't know. Whatever. I, whatever. And a like bomb counter is counting down. It starts at eight and it goes down like 10 or 11, <laughs> but you know, bomb counters. So it, it clicks away, you know, you see it starting at eight and then it switches away and then it comes back and it's on like seven. Anyway, after doesn't matter. The point is they were not super thorough with the sound editing on that because if you're going to start with eight, then don't count down 10 clicks. You know what I mean? Cause you can hear it. Um, but anyway, she sees a bomb counting down. And so they're not, they're barely going to have time to get out. I don't know if some people die in this moment or if everybody just gets very injured and burned. I don't, I don't remember exactly how this plays out. It's been a long time, like at least seven years. <laughs> That's so crazy to me that I've been doing this podcast for seven years, almost as long as I've lived in my house that I live in now. Um, okay. Oh my God, mom, you know, your annoying friend, Dina, <laughs> she saw Michael and I walking tonight and she asked us, are you enjoying your new house? It's like, we've been here eight years, bitch. <laughs> She's like, oh, it just feels new to me. Cause I only saw it the one time. Oh my God, Dina, we're not inviting you to our house ever again. No. Okay. <laughs> Wow, that was really off topic. Cool. Um, so, you know, when I start talking to my mom directly through the podcast about things that are completely not related to the podcast, that it's time for me to shut the fuck up and close the window and open my door so that I can get some nice air-conditioned air into this room. <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back next week for End of Days the next to the last episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer ever. Which means two weeks from today, we'll be talking about the last episode. You guys. Huh. Okay, bye.